powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Good evening, Duvall Nation. Yes, hi, thank you, hi, thanks. I always love a good virtual audience. Welcome, everyone. Hi, yes, I am Derek. This is the Derek Duvall Show, now going strong in its second year. And I just read recently that the show is played for sloths to see if they move any faster. Looking to see what the science there reveals? I have to admit, I'm very curious. I want to say hi to all the newest listeners. In the last month, our listener count has soared to unparalleled heights. And with that being said, we are now officially in Bangladesh. So with that, I say welcome to my newest fans in that amazing country. Full disclosure, Mrs. Duval and I just finished our marathon first watch of the hit television show, The Big Bang Theory, and it was amazing. What a perfect ending to an amazing show. If you haven't seen it, skip ahead about 20 seconds or so. Sheldon and Amy winning the Nobel Prize hit me right in the feels, and I tell you, between me and Mrs. Duvall, not a dry eye in the house with that ending. Perfect. Magical. I'm looking forward to maybe trying out young Sheldon. I'm still kind of on the fence of that one, but we'll see what happens. We are about two weeks still from Christmas, and the festive films are in full swing here. Going to watch Home Alone and the Jim Carrey Grinch film soon, but it goes without saying that the king of the Christmas film is Die Hard. Yes, fans, Die Hard. And I am looking forward to watching this glorious masterpiece very soon, maybe even this weekend. Remember, it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from Nakatomi Tower. So, welcome to episode 34. I always bring the absolute best, and when it comes to guests, this episode is no different. We welcome U.S. National Champion Team Fencer and Amazing Doctor of Orthopedics, Dr. Kamali Thompson. She is going to be telling us about her love of the sport of fencing, her residency as an orthopedic surgeon, plus her amazing blog, so much more as well. So let's not waste another moment. Duval Nation, rise to your feet and welcome all the way from the city of brotherly love and Rocky Balboa, Philadelphia, the incomparable Dr. Kamali Thompson. Good morning, Dr. Thompson. How is the weather out in Philadelphia today? The weather is great. It's the perfect fall weather. A little bit of sun, a little bit of breeze, and I can't complain. Are you a fall kind of person? I'm not. I'm a summer kind of person. Ah. So this part of the year is really difficult for me because my favorite season is is leaving. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I like to start my interviews off with the same question that reflects these insane times that we're living in. How has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? It's been a real challenge, I think, um, in all aspects of life. Like, on one end, I'm a new doctor, and this fall, this 
winter is coming up and I'm sure there will be spikes in COVID again. So this will be, really be my first time in the hospital taking care of patients that have COVID. Um, so that's going to be interesting to navigate. And then as a normal person, you know, I want to see family, I want to see friends and always having COVID in the back of my head as a concern is it's difficult, but you know, we're learning to deal with it, but it's definitely difficult. Yeah, it's definitely a an umbrella that, you know, a rain cloud sort of that hangs over your family whenever you want to go out and, you know, like, I want to see my family. But it's like, am I, have I inadvertently, even though I'm, you know, vaccinated, have I inadvertently got something that I can pass on to my family? So it plays, it, you're right, it plays in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's always there and it's so frustrating. It's a little bit less for people my age, but I definitely get concerned when I see, like, new babies that are in the family or, like, older people. So, it's it's unfortunate that we have to feel this way, but the best thing to do is just to be safe. Yeah, makes sense. So it's always fun to take things back to the very beginning. Uh, if my facts are correct, you were born in Los Angeles, but grew up on the East Coast? Yes, I was. I was born in California, and then we moved here when I was in third grade. So what was it like to grow up in Teaneck, New Jersey? And at what age did you decide you wanted to pursue your current career? Uh, growing up in Teaneck was, was wonderful. Teaneck, New Jersey is North New Jersey. It's about 15, 20 minutes away from New York City. And the best part about Teaneck is that it's so diverse. We have so many different cultures, so many different religions in one town of 40,000 people. I felt like I grew up with so many people who looked like me and didn't look like me. And that really added to myself as a person. Um, and then I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. So I think most kids know, think that they want to be a doctor, but sometimes like they just grow out of it eventually. For me, I like I love going to the doctor. I love getting shots. I was so happy to get a shot in my lollipop and my sticker that <laughs> I just never grew out of it. <laughs> nice. I never grew out of it. Do you do you have any doctors in the family that kind of people that you emulated from? Like, oh, if my uncle was a doctor, I could be a doctor. Anything like that? I don't have any doctors in my family. I'm actually the first one, which is really cool. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, it, it's it's been really cool, especially because I feel like kind of a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know we don't we don't have anyone, and I think everyone in my family has been so proud of me. A because med school is very difficult, yeah. and B just to say like we finally have a doctor in the family. Do you have any fun memories okay. attending Temple University? Oh, I have so many memories. Temple is a fantastic school, and I would 100% go back. From one memory I have, we have uh, something called Spring Fling in the summertime, and it's it's perfect because it's in April, so it's right before finals. It's right after wintertime when everyone's kind of hibernating, and it's a week-long thing with, with week-long events, but there's one day where everyone's outside on the, the green area, and you just walk down. We have a... Um, a little walk called Leah Course Walk, and you walk down Leah Course Walk, and you can't even move because so many people are there. And there's a DJ playing, there's people hanging out on the grass, uh, and it's just like such an exciting time for the campus because everyone's like outside and everyone's mingling. And I, I love like spring fling. It was such a good time. Do you get to go to any of the basketball games or anything like that? Oh yeah, of course. So the at Temple we have something called Taco um, Tuesdays, mm-hmm. um, and basically what happens is like if um, we had Cadoba on campus. So if the basketball team got more than a certain point, everyone got free tacos. Oh, so, nice. <laughs> yeah, so you love going to the game. A, the whole thing they win. B, you just wanted your two free Cadoba tacos. <laughs> so, yeah, the the games are great. The football games were a lot of fun. I don't know if they still do it. I'm sure they do. But when I went to school, they had buses that took you to the, the football stadium. And at Temple, we play at the Eagle Stadium yeah. at Lincoln Financial Field. 
So we would have um, bus that took us down. But the, the best part was on the way back, there was a limited number of buses. So it kind of turned into the Hunger Games about how you can get on the buses and then people will be opening the back and like climbing through the back. And it was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. So you mentioned, you just actually just brought up a memory that I haven't thought about in a long time. Uh, when I was in the Navy, when I was on my ship, we we had Taco Tuesday. And I, I have oh, not heard okay. that phrase in 15, <laughs> 18 years. I was just like, oh, wow, Taco Tuesday. That's crazy. Oh my God, it's fabulous. So let's talk fencing. In 2008, you were recruited to fence for Temple. How hard was it to balance being an athlete and a student? Oh my God, it was so difficult. I, <laughs> so I... I am um, growing up, I was always in extracurricular activities. So I, I used to be a dancer when I was like four until the end of high school. Um, and I was in a lot of clubs and I, I fenced in high school too. So I kind of understood how to balance time and, and scheduling, but I had never really competed at a really high level until my senior year of, of high school. So you kind of, I ended college and I have, I'm a pre-med student. Being pre-med is super difficult. I'm an honor student, so all my classes are a little bit harder than than regular classes. And now I have to be a student athlete where I'm, you know, my whole afternoon is gone. Most of my evening is gone because my teammates, we like hung out and eat dinner and all that. So I didn't start studying till like eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, so it was definitely, definitely difficult. It was a really steep learning curve, but it was great because a lot of my teammates were also in really difficult majors. So we just studied together. And I think that made everything much easier. Is, is it Misery Loves Company, or was it just safety yeah. and numbers? Uh, a combination of both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there were some, some miserable times, for sure, especially around finals. But um, safety and numbers, we like we had a great time, and we had like one study room in our in our dorm, and then some of the other athletes came to study with us. So we just had like a whole like athlete study hall. It was great. So a degree with biology, a minor in psychology with honors. Go throw that in there, too. We're very proud. At this point, you have two years at Rutgers Business School. How did it feel like to get that master's degree? Oh, wow. It's, it's really amazing because I feel kind of like one of the pioneers in medicine with the NBA. Now, I'm not one of the first people by far, but there's still a really few number and it's growing every year. And I think to be part of that, um, like really special group of people is, is an honor. So I was always interested in business in college I actually wanted to have my own medical practice and I have no business knowledge at this point whatsoever <laughs> so I said okay well let me see if I can be a minor in business and I looked at the schedule and it was just so overwhelming to add that with my major in biology and fencing just seemed like way too much so I was like well let's hold off on this and then I go to med school and um, I find out my medical school has a program where you can get a one-year MBA with Rutgers and it's only one year instead of two years of business school. And I was like, well, that's a great idea. Why would I not jump on that? So I became a, an MBA candidate and I did a healthcare management um, concentration and learned a lot of stuff, including how to run a business, how to own a business. And I think it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So you are now a doctor of medicine specializing in orthopedics. At yes. the end of your formal education, what emotions did you feel? And tell us about being a fellow at NYU in orthopedic surgery. So I, um, at the end, like very end, I was so ready to get out of school. <laughs> I've been 
in medical school for nine years because I went to, I did four years of medical school. I did a year and a half of my business school. I did two years of uh, research and was a research fellow at NYU. And then I took off two years to train for the 2016 and 2020 Olympic Games. So by the end of my school, I literally ran out of the hospital because I was just so ready to be finished. Um, But I was also really happy because I did way more than I imagined I would have in medical school, including all the things I just listed. Um, and it was it was a really exciting feeling to realize that I had accomplished so much and that I was like finally ready to be a doctor. Um, I decided to go into orthopedic surgery my third year of medical school. And that's like very late for, for the most part. A lot of orthopedic surgeons have doctors in their family. So they kind of grew up knowing that they wanted to be orthopedic surgeons. And it's a very competitive specialty. Um, So you have to figure out how to separate yourself when you are applying for residency. A lot of orthopedic surgeons do research, and I had zero research when I was a third-year medical student. So I decided it was best for me to do research in orthopedic surgery. So I landed at NYU, which was great for training purposes. And I I lived in New York City, and I had a blast. Um, And I did a lot of research, and now I know a lot about orthopedic surgery. Just out of curiosity, does your family or, or friends just randomly text you and say, hi, I have a runny nose. What do you recommend? Oh, all the time. My friend the other day asked me how many Tylenol she could take. And I said, can you read the back of this? Can you read the back of the bottle? Why are you asking me about this? But no, I like, I always help as much as I can, um, especially my family and my friends. So we're going to flip back to fencing. You competed for Team USA. What is the recruitment process look like for that? It's extremely, extremely difficult. So um, we have four national competitions every year and we have eight international competitions every year. After every competition, the result that you have has a numerical value associated with it. So for example, if I win, I get a thousand points. And if I come in last, I get zero points and everything else is somewhere in the middle. And you add all of the, all those points together of all 12 competitions. At the end of the season, the top four people either go to world championships and they're on the national team or they're on the Olympic team if it's Olympic year. Um, So I traveled with Team USA for several years and I made a national team and then I was an alternate for the 2020 Olympic team. Um, And it's a rough process because we have so many competitions, you know, you'll do great at one and you'll do terrible at the next. And it's really about consistency and kind of maintaining a level head and just staying really confident through the whole season. You mentioned you were chosen as an alternate for the U.S. Olympic team. What was your reaction when you heard the news about that? Um, so it was kind of not great because, oh. <laughs> because um, we our last competition was canceled because of COVID. Mm. So I was essentially, we were like, we had one competition left. The competition before I did really, really well. We had um, a year hiatus of competitions because of COVID. And when they restarted, we had two competitions left so I did really well at the first one I was really looking forward to the second one and at the time I was fifth and you have to be top four so um, I was ready I was like I can do this in a competition I'm gonna I'm gonna do great I'm gonna make the team it's gonna be great and then I got an email that said you know unfortunately due to COVID our last World Cup is canceled and the points stand where they stand so it was really hard for me it was um really difficult pill to swallow but uh, we ended up taking I ended up going to Tokyo um, to train with the team and just to be ready as an alternate. So that was the silver lining. So as you mentioned, the Olympics are now behind us and Simone Biles made headlines when she stepped back from competing to take care of her own mental health. As an athlete who was expected to perform at the highest level, do you feel that there is not enough emphasis or attention given to athletes' mental health? 
Oh, not at all. I think um, as athletes, well, one, I think mental health is a very new topic, right? I mean, of course, we people have been having mental health um, mental health illnesses for a very long time, since the beginning of time. But that's just, us discussing mental health um, in society is very, very brand new. So I think that's one obstacle. Um, but then second, I think as athletes, you're trained from such a young age to kind of get over it. Like, you know, your Achilles just ruptured, you're, you just tore your ACL and you still want to get back out there on the field, right? Like that's just how athletes are trained and conditioned. And I think mental health is is the same. You know, you have these issues, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, you know, Naomi Osaka has been recently um, very vocal about her issues and coaches, parents, friends, and yourself, you'll say like, just get over it. This is something that I can get past because at the end of the day, my sport is more important. Winning is more important. So I'm really happy that Simone kind of and Naomi both took a step back and said, actually, I'm not okay. This is affecting my athletic performance. And it's going to be better for me as an athlete and a person to address what I'm going through right now instead of competing. You know, it's funny. I had a I had another guest uh, yesterday who also was a professional athlete. And I asked sort of the same question. And she made a point. She's like, you know, these gymnastics, uh, the ladies who do this gymnastics, they're doing an extremely dangerous uh, routine, which they, you know, they know, uh, backwards, but you know, one false slip and you could be paralyzed, you know, for the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. So I, I never really put much, you know, weight into that because I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I never actually watched gymnastics, but my wife did. And when I went back and thought about it, I'm like, that is so profound that, that, you know, I never, I had never picked up on that. So that's why I wanted to ask that question again today to you to see, you know, what your uh, take on that would be. Yeah. I mean, it's, so I thought the same thing as soon as Simone said that she was having it, like, issues and she said that she was having the twisties, which is, you know, your body, you're flipping the air and you don't know where you are. That sounds like that sounded crazy to me. And I was like, well, what are we even discussing right now? If I do a flip and I can't land on my feet comfortably, I don't need to be doing that flip. Right. So I think that's a huge thing, but I, I don't. I don't think we should just think about it for people who are doing dangerous sports. It can be in any sport. You know, if you don't no. feel like you're at a place where you can perform normally, if you're at a place where your mind is somewhere else and you can't be where you need to be in your own body to compete, you could injure yourself with anything. You know, you could do it with fencing. You could do it with like football. You could. So it's really important just to, to kind of take a step back and say, like, I'm not OK. I need to figure out what's going on before I get back on the field. How do fencers stay in great shape? Oh, a bunch of different ways. So, you know, one, I would say like old school thought of fencing is you got to fence as much as possible. So a lot of coaches will want you to do two a day, sometimes three days, and a lot of footwork. Footwork is um, basically just doing the, the fencing, like footwork moves. So like advancing, retreating, and lunging, and you can do that for hours every day. Like the best footwork, the best fencers have amazing footwork. But I would say the newer um, age of thinking is strength training. So um, more so in my generation than like the other generations, we, we're all lifting, we're all doing conditioning. Sensing the sport where there's a lot of muscle imbalances because you're on one side of your body the entire time. Like your, your whole life, you're just like your right leg is more dominant and your right arm is more dominant. And it's very weird because like one side of your body is actually bigger than the other side. So we are um, really into strength and conditioning, lifting weight, making sure that you have those balances to the muscles that don't get as much exercise when you're actually fencing. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break to recognize two friends of the show and give you a chance to refresh the drink, stretch, 
do whatever it is that you do. Me, I love doing those big deep breathing exercises, Clouseau style. Give us a few moments and we'll be right back. What's going on, everyone? This is your girl, Julene, host of It Goes Down in the PM. We talk about everything from work, motherhood, local celebrities to comic books. Tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock to find out what really goes down in the PM. Your mom uh, had an accident. I'll uh, take you to her. Uh-oh. Look, Wild Bill. Who was that? Some stranger. He said Donnie's mom was hurt. I didn't know if I should go with him. Well, just don't do what a stranger says. Check it out with an adult you know. Remember, a stranger... Can mean danger. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hey, everyone. I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And we do a podcast about life, love, and hot topics. We're family-friendly. Yeah, well, mostly. And you can catch us every week. So subscribe to The Chris and Christine Show on your favorite streaming service. And buckle up, Buttercup, because you're in for some fun. Some fun? Oh, yeah. That sounds fantastic. Welcome back, Duval Nation. I love those G.I. Joe PSAs. You learn something, plus you get to scratch that really nice tingly nostalgia itch. Anyway, I heard the most random fact the other day. According to a 2010 study by the German Fraunhofer Institute for Building Physics, the high elevation and low pressure can interfere with your taste buds. <laughs> weird. I know it was weird to me. But anyway, yay for science. Okay, let's get back to the show with the conclusion of our interview with the great Dr. Kamali Thompson. So in the field of fencing, in the sport of fencing, who in your mind is the, is the GOAT? Oh, I, I, I stand girl over one um, fencer who I'm like kind of, um, I, I would say, acquainted with. Her name's Olga Carlon. She's Ukrainian. She is phenomenal. If you watch her fence, she's just like, she just like floats on the strip. And she's, um, she's a really great person too. I love athletes who are, um, really humble, who uh, recognize that they can always c- continue to improve. And um, Olga is, she's close to my age. She's like 29, maybe 30. And she got an Olympic medal in t- 2008. And she's still amazing. She's still winning World Cup. She's on So You Think You Can Dance, the Ukraine version. Like, she's killing it right now. She's just great. I love her. Do you ever go back and, and watch, you know, some of your competitions on YouTube? Oh, of course. Uh, and I hate it. It's like listening to yourself speak. You're like, this is disgusting. Please stop. Please stop. It's torture. <laughs> but you have to. Like, you you know, you have to. And it's and it's with anything, actually. In, anything that you do on a, on a daily basis that you are trying to improve, you have to watch yourself to see the mistakes and to see what you do really well. So mm-hmm. I will watch videos of last season, a couple of seasons ago, and I'll say, wow, look how much better you're doing this action. And then I'll say, wow, look how you keep you know, making the same mistake with this one action. Like, what can we do so that you can get this better? Because if you don't work on your weaknesses, you're never going to get better. It's one of those things I've always noticed is like, if you watch any kind of athlete, you watch their rookie season. And now let's say they've been in, you know, doing what they've been doing for 10 years. You go back and you just see this raw athletic ability and how it's been mm-hmm. molded into this just perfect athlete. And I find that very fascinating to watch. You can watch it with, you know, uh, old, you know, football players. You can watch it with basketball players. 
and it's just it's very interesting to see like how far they come along you know and, and just how they've refined their ability yeah it's it's really cool too because when i watch myself fence like in my temple time and i was pretty good in college i'm just like cringy i'm like can you not do that again like can you do this better <laughs> But I mean, you learn, right? Like you don't want to, like, you're not going to be the best when you start something. So it's good to see improvement. Is the fencing community very like tight knit? Do you guys, you know, hang out? Do you guys text each other? Yeah. I mean, so my teammates and I, uh, we've been traveling. I've been traveling for since 2012 when I started med school. So my teammates, especially the ones around my age group, we are very close. We have group chats. We're always checking out on each other. One of my teammates, uh, Mario Zagunas, who um, is like one of the, I think she is the GOAT of fencing, actually, because she's a five-time Olympian. She won the very first Women's Saber Olympic medal and the second one in 2004, 2008. Anyway, she has a child. So, you know, we're always looking at pictures of her kid and we're like um, asking for videos. And then one of my other teammates, she lives in New Jersey, too. So I always like pop by when I see her and her boyfriend um, is my strength coach. So I'm always training at their house and like we're talking afterwards. So, yes, we're very close. So when I found out you were going to be on the show, I put some questions out into Twitter and I said, you know, ask some fan questions. And some some people sent some in. I picked the best two. Okay. I'm oh, wow. that. okay. So first question. When you watch movies, how do you react when you see actors portraying sword fighters? Oh, my God. They're so bad. I'm like, why didn't you just ask me? Like, the next time you guys have a fencing team, somebody call me. Because I just, like, it's it's not that difficult. There's so many of us. And we know how to, like, we know how to fake it. You know, like, so fencing in real life is nothing like fencing on TV. But we know how to do it. So there's sword fighting and then there's fencing scenes. If you're sword fighting... Sure, I could probably step in for that, but like there's a whole technique to to movie sword fighting. But when they're fencing on TV, or I think it's like the the Allstate commercial where they're fencing in the front yard, they could have <laughs> really just told us. Like my brother and I would love to do that, please. Like we'll make it look so much cooler than whatever's happening on that screen right now. So um, that's how I feel about it. Do you any kind of movies you watch that you know like oh it was not bad? Don't have you any favorites of them? the parent trap um it's not anything that you would actually fence like but it was it was shot very well i thought it was very exciting like i was on the edge of my seat when i was watching it because it was it was for show so i, I like that scene a lot who are you currently listening to in music and what show are you currently enjoying okay so um who am i listening to in music oh i listen to all genres i actually just got a, I had a drive home to, to new jersey last week and i had this whole dance like edm playlist going and it was fantastic so i'm someone who listens to everything i love hip-hop i love like cardi b Meg Thee stallion i love drake i'm definitely one of drake's first and biggest fans and then i like other genres occasionally so that's 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 where i like kind of stay and then in terms of movies i mean shows i love watching just good shows so i just finished squid game on netflix I was on the edge of my seat the whole time and I like need a season two yesterday. So, I mean, that's, that's where I am with my shows. When you're getting ready to fence and you're in a competition, do you listen to anything to kind of, you know, pump you up or psych you up? Oh, definitely. I actually have like a series of songs that I listen to in order like that match the order of what I'm doing. So I listen to songs that are like, relatively like upbeat on the way to the competition venue and then when i start work like actually running and like warming up i have like all these like very very intense songs i listen to and then right before I, i'm about to fence i kind of mellow out because i don't want to be too crazy and aggressive mm -hmm. um but i have like it's not the same exact playlist every time but it's it's roughly roughly the same 
So my personal question, I just want to throw in since you, you're living in Philadelphia. Have you made a pilgrimage to the Rocky Steps? I did. I actually did. So that was that's a really exciting question. I had a um, I, I went to the museum with my boyfriend uh, maybe about a month ago and we were getting there right as a like we, we didn't have that much time. So we wanted to go to the Rocky Steps, but we also kind of got sidetracked because one of my friends was nearby and for anyone that doesn't know the rocky steps is at the the museum and we had entered the other side so all we had to do was walk around to the other side but we just got sidetracked so we didn't i was really upset about it because i was like how can we actually be here and not see the rocky steps but i can't disclose who it was for but i just did a really awesome video shoot and we were at the rocky steps nice. so i was like this is really exciting and then if you follow me in a couple of months you will see who the video she was for and it's a really big company so i'm really excited about that i did it once it was in 2012 uh, and i had to do it unfortunately i was on business and i i kind of i, I don't want to say guilt tripped another uh businessman who was there to take me to philadelphia and i ended up doing it at like 10 o'clock at night and there is video of me doing it but it's just so grainy and and so forth because it was also you know 2012 you know iphone it was not what not oh, like yeah. today so but i've uh, there's a marathon there uh, they do. It's like the Rocky Marathon. And I've been toying with doing it, even though my knee is not the greatest anymore. Um, I'm thinking about coming out there one time just to just to say I've done it and get one of those really cool medals. Oh, that's awesome. You, should, you definitely should. I support anyone who is like, I want to do a marathon. Because I don't know if I'll ever do a marathon, but I support anyone else who wants to do one. <laughs> so let's talk Sabre and, and a stethoscope. What inspired you to start this project? And I just want to say real quick, the T-shirts are a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so I um, first started off Saber and Stethoscope as a blog when I was a third year med student. And I did it because I just felt like there were so many resources, so, many, so much information I didn't know when I was starting med school. And part of that was because I didn't have any family. I didn't have any mentors. Like I didn't have anyone really when I was going into med school. Um, of Like just kind of random fact, I started school early and I skipped a grade so I'm two years younger than everyone who's in my class so I don't really have like I didn't at the time have friends that were in like older classes because they would be like three or four years older than me so all my friends are like the same year as me so I didn't really have anyone who had gone into med school before me um who could give me like teach me the ropes I, I didn't know anything and I felt like I was always learning stuff right after I needed to and right, right after all the rest of my classmates. So I started this blog to like really help out other, um, other, other students that might be feeling the same way. And then last year I said, well, you know, I really want to take this and I want to make it more than like just a blog, but I want to make like a whole company. So I'm in the works of creating a, a business that's going to be helpful for med or pre-health pre students um, in terms of resources. And then the saber aspect is going to be like fitness related. So I really want to help students learn academically, but I also want to help them take care of themselves, right? So like it's from a mental health aspect, from a physical health aspect, like how like how can you keep working out when you're in med school or like in college or in residency? Um, what do you need to do to take care of yourself? And then from a mental health perspective, like what should I be looking out for? What are warning signs? How can I take care of myself like, and help meditate and like stay in a, in a great mindset? So I'm working on it, but I'm really excited because I think it's going to be great. As a black athlete, a woman, and definitely a role model, what advice do you give young girls who might be interested in fencing? 
I would say the first and foremost, like, forget about how weird it is, because that was my biggest thing. I thought it looked so weird. I thought it was so different. I was really not a fan for the first year that I was fencing. So I would say, like, forget how weird it is. Don't listen to anyone that says anything like, why are you fencing? That's so odd. That's so lame. That's so, like, weird. Because fencing's so unique. And it really helps you um, learn a lot about yourself in terms of competition. You can go to some amazing places in this world if you're fencing. I've been to Russia. I've been to China. I've been to Venezuela. I've been to Canada. I'm like, I've really seen the world in ways I would have never done if I didn't fence. And I would say have fun with it. Like, there's three different weapons. You can find one weapon that fits you. Competitions are great. And then as a young woman, especially, you can really find your voice and you can find your confidence, which I think is important for young women to have. So definitely give something a try. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun and you'll enjoy it. What does the future hold for Dr. Kamali Thompson? The future holds a lot. I just, I got to figure out what that is. But um, I'd say for one, like, you know, finishing residency and becoming an orthopedic surgeon and definitely um, doing something that works with athletes, I think, because I just love the athlete population and um, staying in the fencing community, maybe being a doctor for Team USA and like the USA fencing, I think that'd be so cool. And um, other than that, we'll see, like, we'll just see how things go. Tell us, what is the best way for fans to follow you on social media? So you guys can follow me on Instagram at KamaliThompson.USA. You can follow me on Twitter. I love Twitter. Uh, Kamali underscore Thompson. And then you can follow my blog, www.SaberNSethoscope.com. All right. I like to end my interviews with my favorite question. The question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would want to say to the people of Earth? I would say just remember to be kind to one another. You know, everyone's going through something in their life and um, everyone has hardships. And if we could all kind of just be a little bit more understanding and be kinder to each other, I think it would help make everyone's day a little brighter. Dr. Thompson, thank you ever so much for taking the time to come on today. This has been an absolute thrill for me. I'm, I'm, I want to tell you i wish you all the best for your uh, future success thank you so much and thank you so much for having me i really 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 love being here thank you thank you and just like that we come to the end of another fantastic episode of the dark Duval show they are always such a relief that they go extraordinary well believe me i want to thank dr kamali thompson for again being so generous with her time i learned a hell of a lot and i will never look at sword play in movies again the same way thank you we are still two weeks away from Christmas, and I am so excited to show you what I have in store as a Christmas gift from me to you, Duval Nation. Boy, is it going to be amazing. It's an interview with an absolute Hollywood legend, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. With that in mind, this Christmas season, let's remember that animals do not make good Christmas presents and always discuss bringing an animal to your home with the entire family. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, be well, and let's kick those pesky, cynical expectations of 2022 into touch this holiday season. Nusta, God bless, and see you all very soon, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads, and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at 
Derek Duvall Show.